Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Start Podcast, a show where we share success principles, explore the stories, experiences, and journey of real people in order to provide newcomers with strategies to succeed. My name is David Ojenka. Today's show is the part two of Building a More Equal World for Women and BIPOC with Fiona McFarlane. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and listen to it. That is the episode right before this because you need that for context. Now, let's dive right into part two of Building a More Equal World for Women and BIPOC with Fiona McFarlane. Can you tell us a story about a personal failure or mistake that you've made? Well, I've made so many. I mean, I think my my biggest one was um, the issue of credibility. Mm. I think the second one uh, that I could talk about is um, what is called office housework mm-hmm. versus um, versus glamour work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, trying to belong and trying to feel like I was contributing, that I was needed. Um, whenever there was any kind of um, work that um, the firm needed, so mm-hmm. running the holiday party, running the United Way campaign, um, uh, you know doing coaching and mentoring, all sorts of things that are important, Mm -hmm. um, but they don't add to your career. Mm -hmm. And the sorts of things at at that time, the sorts of things earlier on your career that um, advance you are the types of experiences where there's deep technical and professional learning. Um, so it's being involved in an IPO, it's being, um, you know, on a big pursuit, it's working on some sort of national committee on something strategic. Mm-hmm. So those are the glamour work. And what I have observed is that so often the housework, the work that has to be done, it's important, but it doesn't advance your career, that is done by people Uh, often by women, often by immigrants, by minorities. Mm -hmm. And so um, figuring why you're doing something. If somebody says to you, I'd really like you to be on the committee for the holiday party, Mm -hmm. understand why you take it on. Because Mm -hmm. I would see people take on that kind of role and then be disappointed that it didn't reflect in higher income or promotion or anything, their performance evaluation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those sorts of things, if you're doing that kind of, of role, realize that you're doing it to feed your soul, not to feed your career. Mm. And realize that it is a choice to that is taking you from you know, we've only got 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So if you do that, it must be valuable to you because you're not spending that time with your family or you're Mm -hmm. not doing, you know, it's, you're not spending that time doing something that's advancing your career. 
And so I just recommend to people that they are very strategic in what they take on mm -hmm. because I wasn't. And the time that I spent on all those other things that needed to be done for the firm that didn't advance my career in any way, but certainly helped my partners because they didn't have to do that, <laughs> that work. Um, it, um, it didn't, it, it, it wasn't adding value to my career. And I wasn't aware of that initially. Um, so, you know, at EY, what we would do is we'd make sure that um, the committees and things like that were um, more equitably staffed. So that it wasn't just, you know, only women who, who uh, were on the holiday committee, holiday mm -hmm. party committee, etc. Mm -hmm. so I don't want to make you know, make it sound like those things aren't important because they have to be done. Um, but it's so important to be strategic about getting those kinds of other experiences that will advance your credibility and um, in the, in your profession. You've spoken uh, about mistakes, but let's talk about the challenges. I think you've, you've touched on it a little bit, but if you can just like around the top, because I'm sure you've experienced challenges and we'll see you today, somebody that retired as a managing partner, a former managing partner, and um, at a massive global organization like EY. And often, oftentimes people view leaders like yourself as invincible. But to prove that you are human, just like the rest of us, can you share some of your biggest fears and faults and how you've worked to overcome them? Oh, I mean, I, as I say, I've made many mistakes in my career. Um, I think, you know, one of the challenges that I faced was um, when, when I had children, um, mm -hmm. I have two, two children, and I was a young partner when I had our daughter, Kate, and had no family um, in Canada. Um, and my husband had an equivalent um, career. Um, and, I, you know, how much of it was um, being a woman in business and how much of it was just being a new mother, I don't know. But I was just so worried about whether, you know, I would have this child and, you know, she'd turn into an axe murderer. <laughs> I would not, I would uh, not be able to bring her up properly, um, that she would love the nanny more than she'd love me, that she wouldn't realize I was her mother. And, you know, I think that there was always that kind of um, insecurity about it um, mm. that I'm sure many parents face because work can be all consuming. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, over time, I, I figured out how it worked for, for us. Mm. Um, and I would make sure that, um, first of all, I didn't want to be the sort of parent who looks back on their career and thinks they've missed all sorts of important moments in their children's lives. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of each term, I would have my assistant um, look at the school um, guide and... Um, figure out what the you know the calendar and figure out what things um we should we should attend 
um, or I should attend. And I would just make sure that that was sacred in my, in my calendar. Mm-hmm. And I also um, got incredible confidence from it because um, when, when my daughter was about six years old or something, um, I went to a, an event at the school where they all um, talked about their, their mothers and what they meant to them. And, uh, and my daughter talked about, you know, my mother wants to make the world better for women. And she talked about me in, as she saw me. And she didn't mind the fact that I wasn't like other mothers. And mm-hmm. I realized that I will always be what I am is what a mother is to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, warts and all. <laughs> Um, and I don't need to try and be someone else, um, be the type of mother that my mother was, who was more, you know, more domesticated, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my children, you know, laugh at me because I am very undomesticated and I have what I, I have one annual Martha Stewart moment when I do something <laughs> domesticated and they all have to clap and, <laughs> and be incredibly appreciative. Um, but but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I've lost my self-consciousness, my feeling of inadequacy around some of those domestic things. That's just who I am and I, you know, and I make up for it in other ways. And so I think that was a really... That was a really deep lesson for me to to learn because it was really it meant um, letting go of stereotypes and society's expectations and and all the the other kind of norms that um, that you feel you ought to meet, mm-hmm. but it doesn't fit with what how you want to live your life. And I think that was a that was a, a watershed moment for me. Imagine sitting across a young lady whose dream is to achieve uh, a similar level of career success like you have. And they also want to have it all. They want to have a family. They want to raise children. What advice would you give to them? Oh, I mean, so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, first of all, understand if you're a woman or somebody who is not in the majority um, so you kind of stick out because of your 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 difference um, realize that it's not just about you so Mm -hmm. what i mean by that is so often women i'll hear them say i you know i don't want to um I don't think I'm ready for this role or I'm, um, I don't think I should take the risk or I think if I go into this area, um, it's going to lead to a career that won't be um, compatible with the family. And my answer to that is, is it's not just about you mm-hmm. because if you don't step up take a risk, leap, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. Um, the next generation of little girls will look up and not see anything different than my generation saw. So realize that there's a greater purpose for you 
um, taking on these roles because the world needs more um, representation in places of leadership. We need different perspectives. We need that cognitive diversity. We need the diversity that comes from people's lives that are lived differently than mm -hmm. those that we see right now. So, so, so my, that's really a plea that, that, that people realize that they're doing something bigger than themselves if they mm -hmm. take that risk. Mm -hmm. um, this, the second thing that I would say is um, be strategic about your organization um, and figure out how it works. Um, what's its strategy? How are the people that you report to, how they evaluated? Really try to understand that and try and help them. Try and help them achieve their, uh, their goals. And that it's not sycophantic, it makes you relevant. So mm. strive for, um, for relevance. Mm. Um, and then when you look at a family and combining a family with, um, with work, I don't see it as work-life balance. I see it as work-life integration. Mm. And I realized that when I was having the most fun at work mm -hmm. and really enjoying what I was doing and feeling fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I was a better wife and I was a better mother. Mm -hmm. And, and so my children have benefited from my career, um, in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am what they see as a parent. Um, and we talk a lot about it and they, they have had um, the opportunity to weigh in on some family decisions and things mm -hmm. like that, that affect mm -hmm. them and that affect my career, like moving, <laughs> um, you know, while I was transferred. And, uh, and I think that that transfer, for instance, made my children more resilient and more adaptable. Um, and so realize that you have to think about what's important for your family and for you, not what you think others think is important for your family and for you. And that takes a lot of soul searching and sometimes some courage because it might mean um, challenging, challenging norms that are, that are quite, um, quite prevalent. Mm. And then the, the final lesson that uh, I would, little story that I'd love to share because um, it's the one that I find um, resonates with people in understanding how to navigate corporate culture. Um, and this applies to women. I'm going to use women as an example, but it's to immigrants and minorities and, you know, all kinds of uh, people who don't feel like they, they fit. So my story is, um, if you imagine the corporate stream, the corporate culture as a, as a fresh water stream, salt water stream, sorry, and everything that swims in it was a salmon for decades. And then my generation came along and we were the little fresh water fish and we leapt into the water. And after a while, the organization said, there's something wrong with these little freshwater fish. They're not thriving. We better help them. 
And so they outfitted us with little oxygen tanks strapped to our gills and we could breathe better, but those tanks were heavy and we could still see the salmon swimming upstream. And so we said, well, it must be my swimming ability. I'm just not as good. And so we exited the corporate stream. And the reality is that to the salmon, it's just water and to the freshwater fish, it's just water. But essentially those invisible salt crystals in the water kill everything that's not a salmon. And I do joke that I'm a salmon in stilettos. I'm kind of white male through and through, <laughs> but those salt crystals are the things that those invisible things in the culture are, they contribute to feeling like you, you don't belong and that you can't swim upstream. And so my advice to anybody who's struggling with um, moving up the stream is try and identify what those salt crystals are. And usually there's a way to work around them. And ultimately the most inclusive cultures will be those that have been desalinated, not those that have tried to turn the freshwater fish into little salmon. Um, and so, you know, people often think, you know, I'll have young women say to me, they'll think that it's intentional, that the salmon are holding them back. And usually that's not the case at all. It's just that we're just, it's the water that we swim in and we just don't see how salty it is. And that's, that takes me now to, because you use the analogy of, you know, the salmon, the saltwater fish, um, salt crystals. And I'm guessing in this context, it's that the prevalent culture and then the saltwater fish are coming into a different, into a culture that they don't have a clear understanding of, or maybe it's built in a way that it's not accommodating to them, but they need to understand those crystals, um, salt crystals and use it to their advantage. Or overcome them. You know, one, yes. of the, one of the things, as an example, that is a salt crystal in, in my firm was what, what we called manterruptions. Mm -hmm. um, that that um, men tend to interrupt each other. And that's fine. That's just what they do. And the loudest one wins. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you have ever watched in a meeting... Um, and this is stereotyping, but often if women are interrupted, they keep quiet. Well, if you have a culture where, where interruptions are fine, over time, the women will become more and more silent and therefore cannot contribute. And the insidious part of it is that for women, when they're interrupted, they often take it as um, an indictment on their value. They were interrupted because their idea wasn't smart enough or whatever. And so they lose confidence. So if you if that's one of your salt crystals in your organization, you you will be silencing the introverts, silencing the women, silencing um, those cultures for whom there's you know deference to um, seniority. And you're losing out on the contributions of so many people, such potential. So 
So you have to overcome that salt crystal. <laughs> um, and you can do that. You can say, okay, if you're the leader in a, in a meeting, you can say, this is how we're going to run the meeting. Um, here's who's going to speak first. This is, I'm going to keep a list of people who want to speak. So put your hand up, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there are ways around it. But if you as a woman are interrupted and you take it as um, an indictment on your value, then you're going to act accordingly and that'll be to your own detriment. And so that's why I think understanding those salt crystals, understanding that they're unintentional, mm-hmm. there is no department of keeping women down, <laughs> not an intentional one. Mm-hmm. And so then you can be smart about how you overcome it. You either team up with another colleague, you get your idea um, heard beforehand and you get some support, etc., etc. So there's there's lots of ways you can you can navigate around it if you're aware. Okay, all right. So let, let's speak of let's speak of mentorship now, um, because all the great people have had a mentor at some periods of their lives, someone who inspired them and helped them to their greatness. Can you talk to me about the mentors in your life and who has influenced you the most? Yeah, I would say you know early on in my career I didn't have a lot of mentors. I had. I had a professor in my law faculty in Cape Town who believed in me and said he thought I should go to Cambridge for my master's. Um, and I needed that uh, somebody external to believe in me um, in order to take that jump. Um, I worked with the person that I was um, preceded as tax managing partner in Canada. He was someone who also built my confidence um, because he valued, he said to me, you know, Fiona, anytime you speak, we will be sure to have a perspective that no one else has, mm-hmm. <laughs> which can be, you know, means I'm crazy or, um, but it also means that he valued it. Um, but he also gave me the gift of giving me some tough, tough feedback mm-hmm. um, that um, no one else had ever given me. Um, but I learned a lot from it. Um, and then I had uh, a, a guy who was the managing partner in British Columbia, John Copperthwaite, and um, he gave me, he saw something in me and he, he put my name forward for um, an opportunity on the EY national stage, which got me in front of the CEO of EY. And, uh, and so I, got some opportunities that came from that. And then I've had peers who, who I've learned a lot from, um, you know, they would tell you things sometimes that you didn't want to hear. My executive assistant would give me perspectives uh, that I might not have otherwise thought of because of the role that I played. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Marfle that I know you know, um, he's somebody who also brings different perspectives and a level of humanity to any decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned from all of those individuals. And then, you know, for inspiration, I would say Nelson Mandela for his incredible selflessness for um, to be able to forgive, um, to empathize with his jailers. <laughs> Um, he was in jail for, I think, 27 years mm-hmm. to be able to do that and to say and to be strategic and about his actions 
and, and ultimately do what was in the best interests of his people, mm. even though it meant personally kind of sucking it up. Um, I can't think of anyone who would have done that. Um, so his strategy, his empathy, and his selflessness, uh, I just think are so incredibly inspirational. Mm. And it shows the power of an individual. Mm. Um, every individual has the power to make a big difference. And he did. Mm. Um, what advice would you give to um, newcomers, immigrants, international students to navigate their career journey? Well, I think we've, we've um, um, covered a number of them, but just to maybe summarize is, you know, first of all, understand the culture. Um, and my story of the salt water, you can apply that to Canada. Mm. The elements of the culture are invisible. And as immigrants, we think that the water we grew up in is the same as the water in Canada. And we can sometimes make mistakes because we just don't understand the culture. So read about Canada, build relationships with Canadians, be um be welcoming, have, welcome them into your home, <laughs> befriend them. And so you learn the culture and immerse yourself. Um, the second is um, build your network by giving back, by volunteering, be generous to others with no expectation mm -hmm. of any reward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, um, you know, so often I would have an immigrant who would say, oh, can I have a coffee with you? And they would come and they'd ask for help but they would tell you things that they have done. It's better to show what you've done. And so show by adding value because then someone's got personal experience in order to be able to advocate for them. Mm -hmm. Often um, I see immigrants um, who, when they're encountering those salt crystals um, and they're not progressing the way they want to progress, mm -hmm. they think that they just need to get another qualification when in fact it's the salt crystals that are holding them back. So don't just go and study more and more and more and get more and more degrees because that's probably not what you lack. It's you're lacking um, an understanding of the salt crystals and what it takes to navigate, which means that you're lacking the relationships, um, the true, true relationships, the deep relationships of people who have your back and who will support you uh, because they care about you. Mm. And then find a compatriot, someone who came from your country, um, who can share their learnings, um, their mistakes, translate your culture into Canadian, um, and give you a head start on seeing those salt crystals. Based on, so somebody who, who's got enough kind of insight that they can help you accelerate your journey. Thank you so much, Fiona. And um, is there any other thing you would like to add? I think just to 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 end it, David, is the the fact that Canada's a great country with so much potential, so much talent that's as yet untapped. And so I hope that as people make their way through through Canada um, and find success as they define it that they give back 
uh, they they bring someone else up the ladder <laughs> with them. Um, and if that happened, if that happens, um, well, there's no stopping Canada. And I hope that it builds a, a coherent community of people who are proud of living here, are proud of where they came from, and an economy that's more vibrant and provides good jobs um, to, to Canadians so we can all have a higher quality of life. So that's my, my wish for, for everybody who's listening on this podcast. Thank you so much, Fiona. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fresh Start. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone you know and love. Please go ahead and subscribe on any platform you listen to your podcast. And also please take a moment to leave us a review because that would help us to reach more audience. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FreshStartOrb. If you know any newcomer you think would be a good fit to interview for the podcast, we'd like to hear from you. Please go to www.thefreshstartup.com to nominate someone. We appreciate you and remember, no matter how hard the past is, you can always begin again. Take care and have a great week.